0: Good morning, Saints. Good morning, morning, redeemed sinners. You can go ahead and be turning in your Bible to John chapter twenty-one. Give you a little context here with the scripture. If we are peering down from forty thousand feet, we can see how uh, the whole entirety of John John uh, begins with a prologue and ends with an epilogue. Um, In other words, uh, the prologue we all have heard before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it set everything else up that happens throughout his gospel story. Well, today we're looking at the epilogue, the other bookend of John's story. Uh, And what I want us to get out of this is this. God goes out of God's way to meet us where we are in our life. That's what I want us to get out of this today. Now, chapter 21 highlights two characters. First is Peter, and the second is the beloved disciple, which we often uh, refer to as the Apostle John. Uh, Our text this morning is focusing in on Peter. And and we join the apostles and others who are having breakfast on the Sea of Galilee, on the side of the shore. They had come fishing, and Jesus beckons them to come and uh, says, let's come over here. And and he has some smoked fish and some bread, and they have breakfast. Um, Now, before we hear this morning's text, it's helpful for us to pause one second and go back and think to ourselves, okay, he's talking to Peter now, but What were the very last words Peter spoke to Jesus before he died? What were Peter's last words that he spoke to Jesus before he died? Well, if you remember the night of the Last Supper, Peter boastfully said, Lord, where are you going? Why can't I follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus, looking at Peter, simply replies, Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you, Peter, have denied me three times. So with that in mind, Peter's last words to Jesus before Jesus died, hear the word of the Lord in their first conversation after Jesus the resurrection. Now, when the disciples had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. Very truly, Jesus says, when you were younger, Simon, you used to fasten your belt and go to wherever you wished. But when you grow old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Now, he said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And after this, Jesus said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Oh, dear Peter, he does not get good play in John's gospel. Peter is, uh, is, is often portrayed as bumbling. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. Um, he's just like a regular person. You know, he means well, but just always trips. Um, he says some really dumb things. You know, in the South, when someone says something that's not too bright or smart, or does something that's not too bright or smart, we simply say, bless your heart. You know, you've heard that in your life, haven't you? Admit it. When I lived in the Pacific Northwest, I would say that all the time. And and the people in University Place would look at me like, what's he talking about? Well, I knew. (laughs) Another one that's like it is, well, God love you. In other words, you're a dummy. <laughs> so, as we look down on this scene in John, we see this group that's gone fishing. They're having breakfast. When in the middle of it all, Jesus stops, turns to Peter in front of everybody else, and has the talk with them. And Peter is experiencing one of those god love you. moments. Over the course of Lent, I have been watching a series on Jesus' life with the disciples called The Chosen. One of y'all told me about it. And uh, it's an app that you can go to the App Store, uh, Google or Apple, and download it. Um, and it's a TV series. It's the first television series to be completely crowdfunded by viewers. There are no ads. It's paid by those who watch it and believe in the message. And I have to tell you, um, the portrayal of the characters in this TV series, The Chosen, uh, is pretty incredible. The way their characters are brought out, are, it's refreshing. It's very different. Uh, for example, The guy who plays the character Matthew, the tax collector, the the character actor portrays him as a lonely, outcast, highly functional, autistic Jewish tax collector. And so we see Matthew calculating in his head all the time, looking at the fingers, figuring it out. He has a hard time communicating with others. It's perfect, it's brilliant. And then, throughout the story, the brash and always ready to put up a fight, Peter, belittles Matthew incessantly, calling him a traitor to his fellow Jews because he took taxes and gave them to Rome. And Peter, both in the TV series The Chosen as well as in through John, comes across as a rather cocksure, tough guy who tries to live into the rocky mantle, but he doesn't know what that means. Now, many scholars believe that Jesus' three difficult questions to Peter are a way to counterbalance Peter's three previous denials. Jesus. He he, he denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus gives him three chances to get reconciled. Our story today is a story of Jesus coming to where Peter was and reconciling, restoring relationship. Friends, in other words, if there's hope for Peter, bless his heart, There's hope for you and me as well. I love this story in John because it's a story where we are once again reminded that the great almighty maker of heaven and earth comes and meets us where we are in our life. God takes the initiative here. God searches us out and finds us in our everyday, mundane, sometimes very boring lives. Just like He did with Peter. God is the pursuer. Peter is the pursued. Our story today has the Lord physically going to where Peter was and is seeks him out. Our story holds another clue as to how God meets us where we are. God not only comes physically to Peter, but God also comes to us in a very spiritual inner sense as well. And we can see this in the way that the conversation was written if we we just pull back a little bit and look at this conversation. In our conversation today, in in our text, we have three questions, or three questions and three commands. And at first they appear to be the similar, very, very same, you know. But as we look at them individually, they're a little bit different. Three times Jesus, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Simon Peter? And three times, Simon Peter says, Oh Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus gives three commands Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Unfortunately, in our English language, there is only one word for love, and that's love. It's not very exciting. It, doesn't des- it can describe all types of love, whereas in the original language of John, there were at least three words for love, and you've heard this before. First, there was eros, which is uh, sensual love, and, and, and then there's phileo, which describes the Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, and then there's agape, agape love which is a love that is intentional, inconvenient, sacrificial, hurts and it's an all-encompassing love that extends to other people with grace. Now there's debate among scholars about Jesus or the John using just two of these notions of love, agape and phileo that we don't see in our English Bibles. And scholars say, oh, well, you know, agape, phileo, John uses them uh, synonymously sometimes in the gospel. Uh, But I disagree. I disagree. I I agree with the pre-modern scholars. You see, when someone writes a letter, when someone writes a story, a book, Every word is intentional and economical to make a point. No words are wasted when a person is writing. And one of the things we see in John's story is that John, is he's got a prologue, he's got an epilogue, and he he ties things together through his gospel story that aren't in the other stories. John is intentional. And I believe that John carefully wrote this conversation with Jesus and interchanged these words of love to make a point. And he interchanges these words for love in order to show us that God meets us where we are. So, let's look at the conversation. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, even that kind of a, an address to somebody. Wh- what did you do when your child is misbehaving or do something really bad? Nicholas Bjorn Merchant. <laughs> you know, when you when you get all three names together, you know, oh, oh I, I made a, I, I got a problem. So Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I phileo you. Like a soul brother. A second time, Jesus asks, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And once again, Peter replies, yes, Lord, I phileo you Now, hit the pause button. Jesus is asking Simon, Peter, do you have the love for me that expresses itself through sacrifice, inconvenience, intentionality, and grace like the love I showed you when I went to the cross on your behalf? See, that's what Jesus is asking. And Peter's reply, Lord, You know I love you like a soul brother, like a friend. Ouch. Peter pulls up short. At least he's honest. Whereas they brashly told Jesus during the Last Supper that he would be willing to die for him. Now Peter simply says, Jesus, I love you as a dear friend. And then Jesus asks him a third time. Simon, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a soul brother and a best friend? And and Simon bursts out hurt. Jesus, you know everything. Of course, I love you as a best friend. I phileo you. You're you're my soul brother. Now, I think John was very intentional in the way he wrote this conversation. Jesus adjusted Jesus' expectations of Simon based on where Simon was at that time. Jesus meets Simon right where he is in his faith development. If if Peter could not promise agape love to Jesus, if all he could do is say, Jesus, you're my best friend and you're a soul brother, then that's fine. Jesus said, I'll take it. And Jesus, he adjusts his expectations to meet Peter where he is. Beloved, what does all this say about God and God's relationship with you, with me? Well, first it says God will physically come to where you are, where I am in our life circumstances, and meet us there, whether it's the boardroom, whether it's Seek 15D, flying up to New York, whether it's the coffee shop or Trader Joe's, God will meet us where we are if we just simply look. Secondly, it says that God has high expectations for us as disciples. God expects us to have agape love, which is sacrificial, intentional, inconvenient, hard Love for other people. And third, it says that God doesn't want us to fail or flail. The Lord wants relationship with you, with me, wherever we are on our faith spectrum. The Lord seeks us out. So, my sisters and brothers. In just a moment, we are going to have a meal with Jesus. It's still before noon, so technically it's breakfast. We are going to gather and eat with Jesus. And as you eat of the bread and drink from the cup this morning, I want you to listen to Jesus asking you, asking me. Patrick heard Risley. Do you love me with agape-type love? How shall I answer? How shall you answer? Beloved, however we answer, Jesus will meet us where we are. And then we'll take our hand, pick us up, and walk us, and take us to where He wants us to go. That's what agape love does. Friends, communion, communion is God's gift to you and me to remind us that God meets us where we are. Pray with me. Holy One of God, You did not leave us without a, wit- without a witness. You came to us. You loved us. You showed Yourself to us. You became like us in every way, except knew no sin. Lord, we thank You that You dare to come to where we are. That You adjust Your expectations to where we are in our faith walk. And that You don't leave us there, but You want us to grow from there into the men and women You dream us to be. Oh Lord, we pray that as we come to this table and eat of this bread and drink from this cup, Lord, we pray that you would make yourself present to each of us where we are, physically and spiritually. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would take this bread, take this cup, Separate them from their everyday use. And may they be for us the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as we are lifted into your presence again with Jesus at the banquet table and the saints surrounding us, those whom we love and lost and miss. And we are dining together at the Feast of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. My friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sensed their angst. He says, beloved, take heart. I am leaving, but I go and I prepare a place just for you. And where I go, you cannot follow right now. But where I go, I prepare a place for you so you can be with me. Beloved, Jesus took the bread after He said these things and broke it. He said, my beloved, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And in a similar manner, he took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant, the new promise between God and all God's people. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that as often as we eat of this bread and drink from the cup of the promise, we remember Jesus' life, His death, and resurrection until He comes again. Amen. Take, eat, and drink, my beloved.